Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. One more, let's give God a great hand. Worthy of all our applause, all our praise, all our power. You know, I noticed our graphic up there, the two kings, how many of you enjoyed that series? As James started talking, you can be seated. Started talking to us about David, Saul. I talked to us about who's your king. You know, the Bible says, don't put your trust in princes. I don't care if you're Democratic, Republican, whatever you might be. How many of you know human princes will fail you, but the Prince of Peace will never fail you? That is the fact. It's a tendency in all of us to put our faith in human flesh. Who's going to save us? Who's going to be my deliverer? Who's going to employ me? Who's going to figure out the economy? Who has the answer? You know, I know I look 26, and that's true give or take 40 years or so. I voted, loved my country, served my country, and I've never had a politician that hasn't failed me in some way. But my Jesus has never failed me. And that's the truth of it. I've had the privilege of preaching all over the world. I've looked in the eyes of heads of state, celebrities, people you'd know and watch them break and weep traveled this world and there is only one potentate that will not fail you that's Jesus the only one America so polarized so afraid COVID rates rising polarized who knows what comes next in the natural but he knows the angel appeared to the shepherds lost in the pain of Roman opposition. Terrible pain. Crucified. Crucifixions around them. Horrifying taxes. We live in a world where there seems to be no peace. As I work with great leaders around the world, they tell me, Pastor, COVID's one thing my people are starving in quarantine. One of the great leaders of Zimbabwe said, Pastor, he said, my people are angry and afraid, hungry. I was on the phone with one of the great civil rights champions in another country, I won't even mention it. Been the lead voice, woman of color and African woman, her nation. Her two daughters were murdered in the street. When the police found their bodies, they took selfies next to them. She wept, as they told me. Is there any peace to be found in our world? Any peace in a world so polarized? Any peace in the shadow of some who now point to parts of Tennessee as the worst COVID areas they know of? Is peace possible in the plight you're facing? Is peace possible 
in the home you're returning to. Your job possibilities, your finances, your health. Is peace possible when the phone rings and they say, uh, your wife's cancer is now spread to her lymph nodes or your wife's cancer is in her brain, go home and be with your children, we'll see how she is tomorrow. Is there any peace when the doctor looks and says, you've destroyed your health, quit working for two of us, we've been to all those. Does the message of the angels to the shepherds have any relevance today? Any relevance when the heavenly host just exploded around the shepherds, the most hated outcasts of their society, I might add. They didn't have the right to testify in court. And the angel said this, he said, I've got good news for you. Peace on the earth. That was under Roman authority. Crucified, 70 years away from their capital, ransacked. Peace on earth to those whom God's favor rests. Is peace possible on this planet right now? Is it possible with never-ending news, an industry that makes most of its money on bad news and fear? Is, this, is there any peace possible in your heart today? I don't mean the moments of peace we experienced as we did this morning with as fine of worship team as I've ever seen in my travels around the world, both inside and outside of every nation. So in a moment, we indulge in this moment of God's presence and somehow we feel better. But we all know we'll be going out those exit doors in 25 minutes to a world in crisis, to a world in pain. Is the promise of Isaiah still relevant today? Unto us, a son is born. Unto us, a child is given and the government of your whole life is on his shoulders. He is the almighty God. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the everlasting. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. When the angel said, peace on the earth to those whom God's favor rests. What did he mean? He means that no matter how troubled our world is or your little world is, no matter what you're going home to, no matter what's happening with your child or your grandchild or your significant other or the one you hope to have or your spouse or your job, the Bible says, no matter what's troubling this planet we all share, no matter what's happening in your little world. Peace is not just possible. It's promised for those in relationship with God. How can this be? I'll sit down in a moment and tell you. I'll be very practical when I sit down. But I'm here to tell you is one who's about to have about every form of bad news a person can have. I lay dying, he healed me.
held a dying child wondering if he'd live. He did. I've heard the cancer word more times than once. I've been told I could probably never work again for a few years because my health was destroyed. He's never failed to give me his peace. I've faced kidnapping and death. He's never failed to give me his peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Politicians and political systems come and go. They do, but he remains the Prince of Peace. He is the only being, heaven the only institution that promises you peace no matter what you're facing today. No matter the trouble in your heart, the pain you walked in here with, the things that ravage your soul, interrupt your sleep, spike your blood pressure. I feel like, Jim, I, I live in a fight or flight reflex. I'm always stirred up these days. What might happen next? Now, Holy Spirit, in these next moments as I just share with my family, my brothers and sisters, produce peace in their heart, peace that lasts beyond that exit sign. Peace that lasts beyond these doors. I recently was having some exams and I could tell my, my young doctor, you know, thought I had cancer. This was a few months ago. Because they were real teary when they told me I didn't. Remember the first time it happened? I walked in, he goes, I've got good news for you. I said, well, what's that? He said, you don't have cancer? I said, okay, thanks. I mean, I, I, I kind of thought it was a possibility, but let's just be flat honest. What's the worst thing that could happen? Glory. I said, I've got great news for you. What's that? I said, my daughter picked a state school. The tuition's lower. God be praised. <laughs> now, where, where's that come from? Where's this peace come from? Let's take a moment. And let me tell you. I'm going to entitle this little message, which I've already introduced, Overcoming Worry. Is peace on earth really possible? Jesus said in John 14, 27, I'm going to leave something with you when I go. When I return to heaven after my crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, peace I'm going to leave with you. You think, okay. If Jesus left peace, like, where is it? It's surely not external. He said, no. You have trouble finding it because it's not human peace. It's my peace. I'm going to leave. And he also talks about my joy, and that's a different message. 
but it really works the same way. Just says, I'm going to leave you my peace, and here's why you have a lot of trouble finding it. It doesn't work the way the world's does. He says it this way. I don't give it to you as the world gives. So we think in ourselves, I've got to have peaceful circumstances to have peace. Pastor Jim, I don't really normally have peaceful weeks, but I do have peaceful days. Quite honestly, if I waited to have peaceful circumstances in my world, it'd been a long time since I was peaceful. I have plenty of reasons to have a troubled heart today. Plenty of painful things I'm facing and responsible for. But Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give it to you as the world gives. I'm reading out of the ESV. And because of that, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Wait a minute. Jesus says, I can give you a type of peace, and I'm going to be basically practical today. I can give you a type of peace that leaves you with a choice as to whether your heart's troubled or not as to whether you live in fear or not. We all face fear, it's human. We all face trouble. Now, how is this possible? So much as we all appreciate the gifts of the Spirit, which are listed for the most part in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, there are a few others not listed there. I mean, you've got prophecy and service and exhortation and mercy and miracles and all these things. The fruits of the Spirit are pretty good, in fact, he said, Jim, if you had to choose between having all the fruits and all the gifts, I wouldn't want to choose, but these fruits are pretty compelling. He says in Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, or what the Holy Spirit produces, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'll stop there. So the Holy Spirit can produce in you things like love, joy, and peace. People tell me, Pastor, I can never love again. My first marriage was so destroyed. I'll never love a woman again. I'll never love a man. And maybe now you're married and that's you. Jesus says, I can produce love in you. Now, what is he saying? The Holy Spirit can produce peace in you even when it does not make sense. Now, how is this possible? How does this work? I could give you multiple more scriptures. I'm not going to. I'm going to go right down and be very practical. These next 15 to 16 minutes. The clock says 18. If you wanted to have a lifestyle of experiencing God's peace, what would you have to do? What would have to change in you to experience this promise of peace? I mean, the apostle Paul is so clear in Philippians 4. He said, there's a peace that you can experience that transcends your understanding and guards your heart from deadly stress. What does that mean? That means you're peaceful when you can't figure out how. You're peaceful when you hear the cancer word. 
You're peaceful when you're looking at death. That doesn't mean your heart doesn't get troubled. That means the peace of God overwhelms it. How is that possible? Let me talk to you, first of all, I'm gonna give you three basic principles and then talk you through each of them. Lay a biblical foundation. Isaiah 26 talks to us, prophet Isaiah, in a time when, in an era when two-thirds of the nation would be eradicated by the Assyrians. When I say eradicated, I mean ethnically cleansed, slaughtered, enslaved, and depopulated. It's no easy time. A time when everything God had said to Israel was, it seemed, up for grabs. Where Israel was just tempted to put their hope in anything but God. God said, listen, no matter what you ride after, other than me, he told them, what's riding after you will be faster. You will keep Isaiah 26.3 in perfect peace. Speaks of God. God keeps in perfect peace. That the Hebrew word peace there is shalom. Peace on the inside, not merely circumstantial. Wholeness, protection, safety. God securing you and it doesn't make sense. But it's perfect peace or double peace. God will keep in double peace. Those who are living in a day when two-thirds of their country disappeared and were massacred. Those who were living a day when the most feared war machine in the world was on the march to finish off the rest of the country. Living in a day when people were so frightened they'd burn their own children in the fire in hopes that some God would save them. God says, in the middle of that type of chaos, in the middle of that type of trouble, I can give you peace. In fact, shalom, shalom. Double peace. Let's go on in that verse. You'll keep in perfect peace those women, those men, whose minds. Now, the word mind here is not your brain. It's not your neural patterns. It's how you view the world, your mindset, your frame of mind. The man or woman whose mindset, who views the world, so those whose minds are steadfast. Now, steadfast basically means what you're resting your hope on, what you're relying on what your faith is in, what you're sitting on, resting on, what, what, like what are you putting your weight on? I'm in this big comfortable chair right now. I was gonna preach standing, I thought, no, let me just sit down and talk and not just preach the whole time. But basically, the chair I sit the weight of my life on is the chair of the almighty God the triune God, his son, the prince of peace. But our tendency is to rely on everything but God until he's the only option left. Maybe it's our might, maybe it's our intelligence, maybe it's our beauty, our talent, 
our finances, our degree, our choice of political party, our choice of politician, the economic system, you know, what my mama taught me, whatever it might be. But in the end, what you are relying on determines the peace you walk in. I'm blessed with tremendous friends, walked decades of deep friendship with them. I'm blessed to be married to my best friend, 42 years. I have extraordinary parents, I love my children, but they are not what I'm relying on for my happiness. Why, they're human. And they have no power. There's not a human that can give you peace in the face of cancer. There's no human that can give you peace when a child you love has gone crazy. There is no human who can give you peace when you're facing what you think, that's destruction of my finances. There is no human. Your mama can't give you peace. Mine's 90. She's as fine a Christian as I've ever known. She might pray for God to give me peace, but it's impossible for her whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. They're putting the weight of their life, their decision on you. What's your hope today for your life, your family? The only people kept in perfect peace are those who view the world through relying on God. Despair is palatable in our country right now. People are numb. The country's traumatized. COVID, economy, crazy. In pain. Hurting. Broken. Like, what's the answer? Now, practically speaking, How do you find God's peace in a country divided? And yes, God is healing our country in the area of racism in a fresh way. We're thankful. But how do we find peace in the process? How do we find peace where people aren't just polarized, they typically demonize each other now? Like, what's the answer? How do you find it? Let me be real practical. How you handle your burdens and your anxieties will determine how much peace you really experience. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul gives us a command. Be honest, is there ever a command in the Bible that makes sense to you? Just raise your hand. Okay, here's one for me. Don't be anxious about anything. How many of you find that kind of impossible? Raise your other hand. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Every once in a while I read something in the Bible saying, hey, Lord, I know it's real peaceful up there in heaven. It's not so peaceful down here. Like, when Jesus promises in the world you'll have tribulation, I find that continually fulfilled. But don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. How is that possible? Now, Paul's writing this, obviously, a couple thousand years ago, roughly. 
you know, centuries before anyone knew anything about neuroscience. But he's a great neurologist. Because what he says is, he doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He says, do this. Any neuroscientist knows if you're changing a new neural pattern, you have to start a new neural pattern. Put off the old, put on the new. He says this. Instead of being anxious, instead of worrying in every situation you find yourself in, anything producing anxiety in you and fear in you, by prayer, telling God, petition, continually telling him, and with thanksgiving or worship or thankfulness or praise, present your requests to God. Anxieties are normal. They're everywhere. There's more than one virus at work today. Oh yes, there is COVID-19, the coronavirus. There's also the virus of fear. Insecurity. Anxiety. It may be more contagious than COVID right now. It's just everywhere. So Paul says, listen, stop worrying over your anxieties and worship over them. Now I use the term worship as kind of a a catch-all word for anything we do that approaches God. Speaking the word, hearing the word, fellowshipping, hearing a message, reading, worshiping, thanking, praying. Because Paul says, if you'll connect with me over your anxieties through worship, if you'll meet me through your anxieties, something's going to happen. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, when you practically connect with me through worry, when you're, and all of a sudden your worry becomes worship, and you connect with me, I'll explain how this works in a moment, all of a sudden you're gonna begin, you're gonna begin to experience peace and it does not make sense. When it says it transcends your understanding, that means your circumstance hasn't yet changed, but you act as if it has. I've told this story before. Kathy's here the first service. She and I have both faced death. And when she'd been treated for cancer many years ago and she had a stroke and we lost her, and then finally they looked at me as a young husband, four kids, they go, Mr. LaFoon, we really think your wife's cancer spread to her brain. We're sorry, go home and enjoy your children. He had not been hired for his bedside manner. And that's scary, by the way, if you've never been there. And I'm driving through the dark from a big city to the little city where I lived and pastored. I had the privilege of pastoring in a very small city. In fact, it's where Dr. Martin Luther King first gave his I Have a Dream speech before he gave it in Washington. I had the privilege of pastoring a tremendous multi-ethnic church in that little city. Um, and I was driving back. I was driving back to that city. I said, oh, God, help my wife. Oh, God, help her. The Lord says, stop praying. I thought, uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. Stop praying. He said, stop praying. He said, why? He said, it's a waste of your time. I go, oh, man, that's scary. He goes, she's fine. Choose to believe me right now. And he said, I want you to thank me, and then I want you to pray for everyone but yourself. 
I began to pray. I began to praise. And even though I felt like I was looking into an abyss as a husband and a father, peace grabbed my heart, guarded it, and the next morning she was fine. Whether she never had brain cancer or she got healed, I don't care. She was fine. Now, how's that happen? How did God take my anxiety without a call from the doctor? I don't mean by that I wasn't happy to hear the good news from the doctor, but how's that work? Why does connecting with God change your psychology about something? How? How, though nothing may have changed, do you change on the inside? Let me explain this to you. Now, the peace I'm describing to you is not based on circumstance or a tranquil life. It's what Jesus calls my peace. Now, the key to this is found in the spiritual disciplines. Paul's command to worship, not worry, is critical because of its spiritual, neurobiological, and psychological effects. You see, when you were born again, yes, you got a new name. You've heard me say this, child of God, daughter of God, son of God. Yes, you got new righteousness, sins forgiven, righteousness of Christ. Most Christians stop there, but they forget something very important. You got a new nature. You're no longer separated from God. When you trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were reconnected to the triune God of all the universe. And in that connection through your spirit, that enables you to receive the tranquility of the Godhead, the joy of the Godhead, the life of the Godhead, the power of the God. Like, where is it, Pastor Jim? How many of you know we enjoyed all that singing today? Now, if there was no electricity, we still would have enjoyed it, but it might not have had the same volume. Microphones wouldn't have worked, although some of them probably don't need microphones. Microphones wouldn't have worked. Electric guitars, you wouldn't have heard. All these thousands of dollars of equipment. Why? Well, they're plugged into the power, but maybe they weren't turned on. And what happens is, is when you worship or listen or pray or speak the word or reach out to God, all of a sudden, that connection, that circuit's connected, and the life of God, the joy of God, the power of God, the praise of God, it just begins to pour into you. But it's not just spiritual. Kathy was here in the first row. We've been married 42 years. You say, well, look, you look 26. How's that possible? Well, give or take four, four decades, you'd be right. So if I put my hand on her shoulder and tell, I, tell her I love her, it's not just spiritual or emotional, she'll be showered with neurochemicals. Her oxytocin levels will be affected in five seconds. And it's the same way with God. One of my friends out of our Every Nation family is now a, a, a well-known psychologist. He did a, a kind of a world-acclaimed study on what happens when a person that believes in God comes into his presence. And when you feel loved by God and you connect with God, it's not just spiritual, it's biochemical. There's a cascade. There's a secretion of oxytocin, prolactin, endorphins, dopamine. All of a sudden, you're showered with feel-good chemicals, and even though your circumstance has not changed, not just spiritually, but neurochemically. One of the most eminent young neuroscientists 
in America as a young African-American woman. She's amazing, she and her husband. I've known them since their college days. She has an endowed chair at one of America's great Ivy League universities. She told me, Pastor Jim, the best thing you can do for your neurochemicals every morning is not that donut or that pastry. I found that funny, but she's probably right. It's definitely not that cigarette or those drugs. It's not even a run. It's the presence of God. And as a scientist, she told me, I have found there's nothing like the presence of God and connecting with my Savior every morning to set the dopamine levels of my brain. This God doesn't just affect you spiritually. He affects you neurobiologically. And when all of a sudden you're having these responses chemically to the presence of God, psychologically, your outlook changes. Because no matter what is waiting for you outside the exit sign, no matter what's outside that door, your psychology has changed. You feel warm, you feel secure, you feel God is with you. But as I come to my last two scriptures, how do you maintain that? In a moment, I'll be done speaking and I'll be headed to my car. I don't know what I'll see if I look at my text messages. I know there are major crises I'm trying to help people through that thousands of lives are affected. There's, that's nothing hyperfluous. So there are things I'm hurting over that wait for me outside that exit. Right now, I'm feeling much better. I've been worshiping, speaking the word. I've been in the presence of God and his people, but I know what waits for me outside EXIT. That's why Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, in Philippians 4, 8 and 9, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, then the God of peace will be with you. What am I saying by that? How do you manage it? I was at my prayer walk this morning and a very painful situation came to my mind. And I was thinking, well, if God may not heal it. What am I gonna do? Was that a noble thought? Was that a righteous thought to count God out and think he's not gonna come through? And even though he's promised me, I'm all of a sudden living in my mind as if he never will. Why? Because I wanna defend myself against the expectation he will so I won't be hurt, but I'm hurting myself even more. Your ability on a daily basis to practice God's presence in his word and thank God for taking your anxieties and allow your anxiety to be propelled out of your heart through worship and thankfulness locks in this space. Let me close with this scripture. John 20, 19. I was getting ready to walk out the door of the Lord, quicken this to me, I went back and put it in my notes. It won't be on the screen. Jesus had died, brutally murdered, and all the disciples felt like failures because they'd all run and left him. Judas had betrayed, Peter denied, they're broken, even though he had said that he'd raised from the dead, wasn't really true. Now it's the evening of the third day and the women who had believed came and said, man, we saw Jesus, he's alive. He said, go down to Galilee, the world has changed. They didn't really believe it because even though they had heard that very evening, the first day of the week, the doors were locked for fear. 
We've been locked up, quarantined, mass. And when you've been besieged long enough, you get a siege mentality in your heart. Some of us aren't just locked down. We're locked up on the inside. Locked up by fear. Locked up by anxiety. Locked up by worry. Some of you feel like the untouchables today. Can anything really touch what's hurting me? Can God really touch what's hurting me? But Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. The same Jesus that walked through a locked door. The same Jesus that walked through a wall is walking into your locked up soul right now. Coming to touch the mental siege that's hurting you. The fear that's binding you. The brokenness that's holding you. If you can walk through a literal door, walk through a wall to a group who'd failed him, left him. He's coming to bring you peace today. Your home, your job, your career. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. You say, Pastor Jim, I need to touch that peace. Wave at me right now. Put your hands up. Boy, there you are. Ah, there you are. I, I want a good dose before I get back to that car. Say, Jesus, take a deep breath. I receive your peace. Say it again. I receive your peace. Now, the greatest anxiety you're facing, give it to him and thank him for taking it. Say, I choose to trust you, Jesus. I have two or three coming to mind I'm giving him right now. Oh, that's right. Worship him for taking it. Thank him for taking it. Pastor Bryson, join me up here. Lord, as we stand in your presence, here we are. Walk through our mindsets. Walk through the locked up parts of our soul. Meet us. You're the Prince of Peace. We thank you for all the humans you've placed in our life, but our trust is in you, ultimately. Only you can give peace to a broken, fearful heart. We receive your peace. We thank you for it. Thank you very much.